0: raid The seemingly well-intentioned 2016 CDC guideline, also referred to as the misguided guideline by some, gave the go-ahead signal to federal and state regulatory boards to perform an all-encompassing assault on intractable pain patients, also known as IPPs. Pain care specialists, physicians, and pharmacists. To be clear, according to the CDC, the 2016 CDC guideline claims to provide recommendations for primary care health clinicians who are prescribing opioids for chronic pain outside of active cancer treatment, palliative care, and end-of-life care, and addresses opioid prescribing from initiating, continuing, selection of which opioid, what dosage, duration of use, follow-up, and discontinuing of such treatment. It further professes that the guideline is intended to improve communication between clinicians and patients about the risks and benefits of opioid therapy for chronic pain, improve the safety and effectiveness of pain treatment, and reduce the risks associated with long-term opioid therapy. Unfortunately, This guideline has resulted in the denial of any narcotic analgesic prescription altogether for IPPs, as well as acute ER patients and post-operative patients. This inevitably has forced the IPP to taper, or cold turkey, off of their long-time, highly effective opioid painkiller, which is highly dangerous and life-threatening to them. The CDC is aware of this and thus far has been obstinate in its position while remaining indifferent to the suffering and deaths of this already vulnerable group of people. Many patients feel they are being left by the wayside, silenced. Their pain, anger, and frustration pantomimed horizontally and through tears and suicide. Barbie, you were once interviewed by one of the CDC's marketing companies. Will you tell us about that interview and what came about as a result?
1: Oh, goodness. Yeah, so prior to the guidelines coming out with the CDC, I had written a letter to the CDC, and uh, many patients across the country did, and I encouraged, encouraged patients to write in, was hoping that we were being heard. And when we... And you know, we weren't heard. And so after the guidelines came out, I said, this is not good. Patients are being denied care. Doctors are afraid to treat these, you know, patients and it's having the opposite effect of what the CDC was trying to do. And they were trying to help people living with addiction and basically affecting the whole chronic pain community instead of just the addiction community. But I I got a phone call and they said that they were with the CDC and I didn't necessarily know it was a marketing company working for the CDC. I thought it was actually going to be, I was actually going to be answering direct direct questions from the CDC to share how so many patients that I personally knew were affected. And they they took my answers, they pretended to be on my side, they pretended to hear me and they, they took that data First, they weren't going to release it, and somebody got an embargoed copy and published that, but I didn't know it was going to be used against the chronic pain community, and that they took the words that myself and I think six other people were interviewed by this marketing company, they took our words, they used them against us. The whole pain community was affected, and they used our keywords but twisted the meaning of them, and tried to make it look like I was the opioid abuser or even user, I, um, they tried to use my concern against me with the chronic pain community. Uh, literally they used it to uh, put teeth back in backing into their opioid guidelines, which was hurting suddenly probably tens to tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of pain patients who were abruptly cut off, weren't using the weren't getting the care that they needed. They were tapered down to a level if they weren't just abruptly cut off to, an, to a treatment level that wasn't working. They suddenly you know, were, were not able to work their full-time jobs because they lost that care and um, many of them couldn't work at all. And that marketing company used those interviews to hurt us. There's thousands of examples of patients that tried to commit suicide contemplate suicide, they weren't getting the care that they needed, or they were at least able to manage through, and then all of a sudden they weren't, uh, they really had no purpose in life or or had lost their hope.
0: Tom, who we also spoke to in episode one, is another one of the millions of chronic pain sufferers negatively impacted by the 2016 guideline. Tom How has your life changed since the CDC 2016 guideline was published? It's changed tremendously. Um, I've had all sorts of trouble. It it started um, with
1: one pain and management doctor who I guess became nervous about what they considered high doses Although I had been on the same dose with him for at least two or three years. Um, And it it went back and forth with all sorts of things. And and I went in for surgery and I told him that I was going to need him to
0: handle post-surgical pain management. And he told me that he wasn't going to be able to increase what he was giving me post-surgical because I was on such a high dose. Well, I've taken up to three times the amount that I'm taking right
1: now, so it's not such a high dose. It's a high dose compared to that morphine equivalent nonsense that the that this CDC 2016 recommendation came out with. And he's, I think, afraid of. Um, drawing the attention of of the DEA or medical boards, and two weeks after the surgery, um, there was something that happened, there was an exchange on the telephone where his nurse was being very rude, male nurse, and I told him, if you're gonna continue to talk to me that way, I'm gonna hang up, which is what happened, I called back in the afternoon, asked to speak to the nurse that I had been working with for years. They said, you can't speak to her. I said, why? They said, you've been terminated. So two weeks after a five-hour spinal surgery, my um, caring and concerned pain management doctor dropped me and uh, said the reason was that I had been rude to his male nurse on the phone, which wasn't true, but even so. So I was um, in a bit of a panic, and it took about five days. Thankfully, my neurosurgeon, who had done the surgery, was able to connect me with the clinic that I've been at since that surgery for pain management. Uh, So I was able to um, keep postoperative pain control, but there were five days it was five very long days that I had no idea what I was going to do or how I was going to be able to, to deal with this. As far as I know, I was out, I was done. And it's
0: very difficult to find pain management doctors. And on my own, I don't think I would have been able to. Let's have Richard A. Lawhern, Ph.D., weigh in. Lawhern is a nationally recognized subject matter expert in public policy for regulation of opioid pain relievers and of doctors who prescribe them. He has 25 years' experience developing and moderating social media support groups for pain patients, family caregivers, and medical professionals. 150 of his papers, articles, and interviews have been published in a mixture of medically-oriented journals and mass media. He sits as a non-physician patient advocate on editorial boards of the American Council on Science and Health and the journal Practical Pain Management.
2: This is one of those places where uh, we have to be very candid about a problem that is a bureaucratic mess by any measure. A lot of the problems patients are facing right now boil down to the impact of a document that was written in 2016, which was a CDC guideline on the prescription of opioids to patients with chronic non-cancer pain. And that guideline was published in March of 2016, and it's had an immediate impact on medical practice and an impact that's been increasing ever since. Um, the opioid guidelines of the CDC were extremely restrictive. And they basically said if a doctor is, pain, is, is uh, treating a patient with more than 50 morphine milligram equivalent daily dose, and that's called MMED, with more than 50 uh, MMED, they should conduct a risk versus benefit review. and determine whether continuing that therapy is really in the patient's best interest. If the dose is above 90, any general practitioner should transition that patient to a pain medicine specialist, because GPs don't have the kind of training that's necessary to uh, determine whether uh, such a, a high dose, at least they use the term high dose, is medically appropriate or not. Unfortunately, what happened almost immediately after the CDC published its guideline was that state, states all across the US, US and I believe it was about 37 of them, took the guideline not as guidance for a safety review, but as a hard limit on the permission the permissible dose and duration of opioids for use in chronic pain. And they wrote even more restrictive guidelines that really, between the lines, if you will, were telling doctors, if you prescribe above 90 in MED, you're in trouble. You shouldn't be doing that. So since 2016, and almost entirely a result of what CDC did and published, at least 40%, probably more than 40% of all general community clinics and GPs in this country, have stopped taking new patients for management of pain.
0: And there's a couple of studies, one of them done in Michigan, that, that suggests these numbers.
2: And in fact, even among the practices that are continuing to treat pain, large numbers of them are forced tapering their patients down from whatever dose they have to 90 MMED or less. And that practice of forced tapering is a very risky procedure. We now have research that shows us that when a patient is tapered, either because the doctor says, I can't prescribe for you, or because they personally want to reduce their exposure to opioids because they're afraid. When that happens, the risk of a mental health crisis triples in the months that follow. And mental health crisis generally meaning a a serious medical breakdown involving an awful lot of breakthrough pain. And the risk of opioid overdose just about triples, too. And we're not quite sure we
0: know why the overdose thing happens, but it does. And we, it's been confirmed by more than one uh, investigating team. You know, there are a lot of veterans in pain. So what has that amounted to for them? American veterans have been affected on the
2: guidelines, because about a year before the guidelines were published, uh, the Veterans Administration put out a document that they called the Opioid Safety Initiative, and I can tell you there is no more unsafe document in medical practice than that one. The Opioid Safety Initiative has been directly responsible for an increase of almost 200% in, pay- in veterans' um, suicides. This is an article that was published just within the last month in the Washington Post and there's been a very good commentary on the article by Dr. Josh Bloom, PhD, in the American Council on Science and Health. What we have discovered basically, and this is confirmed from multiple sources, is that when doctors taper a patient in order to protect the doctor, substantial numbers of the patients die. And they die from suicide because their pain becomes so overwhelming that life isn't worth living anymore. And I can confirm that one from my personal contacts and social media. I hear from doc- from the patients literally every week who are considering suicide because their doctors either can't or won't prescribe adequate pain relief for them. We're seeing a major medical crisis that challenges the continuing practice of pain medicine. And that crisis can be laid squarely at the door of the U.S. CDC. What we've got here basically is a lot of government overreach.
0: What are concerned physicians doing to counter the guideline and its damage?
2: 300 doctors got together and they published an open letter to the CDC in a major and very reputable medical journal in which they put their reputations behind a basic assertion. And that assertion was that the misapplication of the CDC guidelines as a hard and fast limit on prescribing is deeply harmful to patients and it should not be allowed. Um, the, The CDC published a letter in which they cautioned state governments and the public that their guidelines really shouldn't be used as a hard and fast standard for how much prescribing is allowed. What they did not say, and should have said, is that the guidelines themselves are fatally wrong on all of the science that they assumed. And we've only recently been able to confirm that with multiple critical articles appearing across a wide sector of of medical uh, journals and medical uh, literature. It's turned out that the entire logic or the rationale for the guidelines that were published was the idea that if you prescribe opioids for a long time at a high dose, you're gonna make your patients addicted. And some of them will die from overdose. Others will simply be completely disabled and you shouldn't do this. That's that's a, a way of summing up what CDC said. So they declared the 50, 90 MMED threshold to be, uh, their recommended a level for, you know, really seriously reconsidering this whole business and, and deciding whether or not opioids really could be continued. State governments misuse this, that guideline, to, to write hard and fast law. State medical boards, the, the outfits that review doctors' practices and they review complaints against doctors, those outfits basically use the same criteria the CDC put out. And it turns out that an awful lot of the literature that was used by the writers of the CDC guidelines in 2016 made use of a a very artificial, um, you could call it a nomenclature or a, a terminology, for describing the effects of opioids. The other thing that we found out, since 2000, well it was known well before 2016, the CDC ignored it, is that there is about a 15 to one range in minimum effective dose for an opioid, for any opioid, in individuals. In other words, certain of us do very, very well on an opioid at about 20 MMED. And a few of us, it's probably slightly smaller numbers, have to be dosed over 300 MME to even to notice that we're getting an opioid. There is also a literature here that says because of the genetics of opioid breakdown in the human body, there are people out there who are hyper That means they break down an opioid into the components that go into the brain very, very rapidly. What we learned from that is that MMED doesn't give you any basis at all for a one size fits all magical golden rule. But the CDC created just that, a magical golden rule that says don't prescribe over 90 MMED unless you're specially qualified and unless you document the the bloody heck out of everything you do so you can't ever be
0: accused of, of uh, practice that was dangerous to the patient. What is the FDA saying?
2: June of this year, June 7th through 8th, the Food and Drug Administration convened what they called a stakeholders workshop in which doctors and patients were invited to make an input through the uh, Federal Register, which is the, the publication which basically calls for input whenever a government policy or practice is going to be re-examined this is the way the government basically asks people to tell them uh, to tell the government what you know about a given subject whether you're a professional or a patient they haven't published the findings of the workshop yet but i've read the comments from one end to the other and what the comments from medical professionals tell us is that MMED is not only not science it's junk science, because it has no bearing whatever on any standard of care that you can generalize to large numbers of patients, because there's too much variability in the in the, um, the sensitivity of patients to the levels of medication we get. So this was really pretty startling, because this was the FDA discovering that CDC put out a, a guideline in 2016 that was an outright fraud, and CDC either knew or should have known that NMED does not provide a useful or viable standard for one-size-fits-all practice, and in fact, in 2018 and 19, a Health and Human Services Department joint interagency task force took a look at trying to catch up with the many documents out there that are supposedly guidelines on practice both from state to state and from other organizations and within particular fields of medicine. And one of the startling things that they said right up front in their report was there is no one size fits all patient or therapy plan and we should not be. Attempting to create one because human beings are too variable to do that safely.
0: This seems as though this declaration basically snatches the rug right out from under the CDC guideline. So why is the CDC allowed to continue in this way? Uh, Let me (laughs) remember here I'm offering an opinion. I want to be very careful about that. I
2: think it's an informed opinion. But basically, I think CDC has been allowed to go that way because an awful lot of congressmen have been bought by insurance company money. And a lot of congressmen think they know what opioids are doing
0: to uh, their, their constituents. But they haven't made any distinction between medically prescribed
2: and managed opioids. Versus illegally manufactured or imported opioids, and nobody's really encouraging them to make that distinction. And as a result, people who don't know a darn thing about the real medicine behind this issue have been making public law about it. But what I've been saying to people is that the data don't support the policy, and they never have supported the. CDC publishes a lot of data on prescribing rates and on opioid overdose deaths, or at least deaths that are attributed to opioids as one of several uh, possible causes. And they've been doing this for close to 20 years. In recent years, the data tells us that older people over age 62, are anywhere from three to six times more likely to be prescribed an opioid under medical supervision than youth under the age of 19. And that ratio is really very understandable because older people have more disorders and they have more progressively developing disorders than young people do. And the disorders very often involve chronic pain, both acute and chronic pain. But then you look and you see who is it that, that overdoses, and it's not seniors. Youth between, younger than age 19, have an overdose-related mortality rate that is three to six times higher than seniors. And it turns out, of course, that the overdose rates for, for young people have gone through a major avalanche in the last 20 years. But they've remained almost completely stable in older people. So the conclusion that you have to draw from that is that there is no medical model, there's no medical explanation that shows a cause and effect relationship between how many people get prescribed and how many people die of overdose. There's just nothing there. But the CDC flat ignored their own data when they developed their their guidelines back in in 2016. So they get away with it because a whole lot of people are lying outrageously even though they know they're lying outrageously and I'll tell you what pain patients think about this Um, and let's let's understand now I'm not necessarily stating just my opinion on this this is a, a theme I see in social media very, very broadly. Pain patients think that the medical insurance companies want them to die they don't want them to be treated by the only means possible that has any chance of giving them a, a standard of living or a, a quality of life, which opioids for very many people do. And they think that that the insurance companies just want to have them go away so that the insurance folks don't have to continue paying for their care.
0: Now, I don't go quite that far myself, but I want to tell you that there are thousands of people who write that opinion in social media every week. People are convinced that the CDC has become an accessory to attempted medical murder. Attempted medical murder. Let's attempt to digest that. Is it not the CDC's mission and agenda to prevent injury, harm, and death? Is it not the primary agenda of the physician as well? In the next episode, we'll talk about the physician's agenda, or rather the agenda of a small group of physicians as we discover the name of their game. I'm Eve, and this is Chronic, The Pain Game.